بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد الله سبحانه وتعالى سيد القرآن وسارعوا إلى مغفرة من ربكم وجنة عرضها السماوات والأرض Hasten towards a forgiveness and a pardon from your Lord and a paradise whose extent, whose width is like the heavens and the earth. For us to get that paradise in the hereafter, we need to increase our chances. We need to increase our efforts to be able to get that paradise and to earn the satisfaction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A human has a very limited amount of life in this world. 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, maybe 80, 90, maybe even 100 years. But that's about it. The Prophet ﷺ said, Hasadu ummati bayna sittina wa sab'een. The reaping of the crops of my ummah is between 60 and 70. Uh, the idea of that is that my ummah, their average age is going to be between 60 to 70. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ passed away at the age of 60. 61? 63. Abu Bakr on same thing. Umar on same thing. Ali radiallahu anhu similar as well. Just Uthman radiallahu lived, lived much later uh, to an older age. So generally that's the average. So we've got that much time in this world, but the world will continue forever. Meaning for a very long time. Not forever, but for a very long time. The world has been in existence for a very long time. Billions of people have passed. There's about seven billion people or so right now but there's been so many billion people beforehand and Allah knows best how many more billions of people will continue to come into this world so now imagine it that after we're gone from this time we're currently here and after we're gone then whatever we've done in this life so let's just imagine that we've died at the age of 70 or so 75 out of that, just take out the first 10 years, 12, 13 years, because we're not baligh yet. We're not mature yet. We become responsible afterwards, after bulugh. And then all of our actions count. Everything that we do. How much is possible for us to, for us to earn? The other day uh, in our class in Sahih Muslim, we came across a hadith. The hadith is about the 70,000 people that will enter Jannah without any questioning. There will be the special 70,000. According to one of those narrations, it mentions there among the sab'una alf as 70,000 that a'lahum Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. The highest of them will be Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu an. For me, that's giving us an idea of what kind of people are going to be among that 70,000. And to be honest, that sounds very, very, very far for us to reach. When you say the likes of Abu Bakr radiallahu an, who get into the 70,000, 70,000 is not a lot of people. There's probably more than 70,000 people in just our area of London, because the whole of London has 8 million people. So 70,000, you know, it's a good, a good sized stadium will fit 70,000 people. That's not many people. You know, if you're talking about 7 to 8 billion people in existence right now, in this world of this particular generation, out of that, what is 70,000 people? Hardly anything. And then if you count for every hundred years, several billion people for how many hundreds of years, can you imagine how can you get in there? You'll be competing 
with the likes of Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali and Abdurrahman ibn Awf and Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas, Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah and Hamza radiyallahu an. Ya Allah, then the Ghazalis and the Jilanis. Where's 70,000? That's going to be filled in no time. What kind of deeds do we have? There is another narration though. It's not as well known and as maybe authenticated as the original narration. But it says that every one of these 70,000 will take an additional 70,000. Suddenly the depression goes out of your mind. Suddenly your hopes, your eyes light up. And you suddenly start thinking, now maybe I've got a choice. Now maybe I've got a possibility. We, may, we did some maths. 70,000, take another 70,000. With every 70,000 will be another 70,000. There's a number of ways of looking at this. But if you take it to mean 70,000 times 70,000, do the maths for me. No, 4 billion, 900 million, sorry. 4 billion, it's 4.9 billion. 4.9 billion. Now to get an idea of 4.9 billion, let's consider it to be about 30 to 40% of the world's, no, about 60% of the world's population right now. That's, at least it gives you that bit more chance, gives you a bit more hope. When you listen to the 70,000, you think, Allahu Akbar, how am I going to get into that? The competition is too great. But with 49, 4.9 billion now, our chances are increased several fold, multiply. So now maybe we can inshallah even hope for that. Among those people whose actions will not be weighed in the scale on the Day of Judgment will be these people the ulama mentioned because they, there's no question for them. There's no questioning for them. So they don't even need to be weighed. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to link us and to allow us to be of this category if for nothing else except the fact that we have this hope today. And we're doing these calculations, we're making an effort for it at least. I know it's nothing compared to what the other people have done. The competition is huge here, but we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help. So going back to our original idea that we have 70 years or so, 60 years or so in this world in which we can actually do something. You know, that you can say are your youthful years. They are your years. They are, that's your whole life. That's the only time when you can earn rewards and hopefully do tawbah and, and avoid sin as much as possible and inshallah die having made a good tawbah, a good repentance and being freed inshallah being purified by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us this. But why not allow the investments to continue after we're dead? Remember we said that we will pass away just like people in the past have passed away. But then the world continues, doesn't it? There's still a place. This, this is the field for the hereafter. This is the crops for the hereafter. While we may have gone, but why can't we leave crops that are immune to being destroyed? Why don't we create some crops and leave them in this world that though we may be gone, we are no longer here to even count what's going on with them, but they continue to benefit us even while we're in the grave. For this, I'll quote another hadith of Sahih Muslim in which it's related by Abu Huraira radiyallahu an anna Rasulallahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal Iza mat al-insan in qata'a anhu amaluhu when a person dies, then his deeds have stopped now because he's got no physical ability now to do anything. 
his time of action is gone. Illa min thalatha. But he gives us a way, he, goes, he tells us a way of investment. And only the foolish would not take this investment up because it's for free. Afterwards, you don't have to do anything. And it's a safe investment. Three things. Except three things, that's the direction, those are the investments in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can still give us something and continue to give us rewards. One of them he said is sadaqatun jariyatun, is a perpetual charity. Sadaqa jariya. Sadaqa jariya is not something I just fed somebody and it's done. No, it's a sadaqa that continues to multiply. For example, you make an orphanage. You set up an organization that deals with poor people, that deals with orphans, that teaches the deen of Allah, that helps people out. And you've set such a structure in place, you've given the seed capital, you've set the structure in place that even after you've gone, inshallah, it will be managed and it will only inshallah be increased and it will then continue for generations after you. Generations after you. Now look at this now. If I've created a charity with all honesty, with all sincerity rather, and then that charity after 100 years may collapse maybe, but if I've done it in such a good way and if I've made the right efforts and the sincerity there, and some people have seen that model, and five other charities or seven other charities or however number have been inspired by this charity to then start their own charities, that's all my reward as well. So even if your charity collapses, as long as, as long as you haven't done anything wrong, as long as you've had the best interests, anybody benefiting from your charity, you get reward for. Anybody who copies your charity, alhamdulillah, the more the merrier. That's through charity. This is something not only that which is not restricted to ulama. This is for anybody and everybody. Right? Whether it's a housewife, right? whether it's a princess, it doesn't matter. Like look at Harun al-Rashid's wife, the kind of charity she had set up. Zubaydah's canal, it's still known about that. Imagine the rewards that she must have received from that. Now while a canal may have been replaced now, because we have modern techniques of bringing water to Mina and Arafat. There was no Arafat, there was no water there before. And the Hujjaj used to find it very difficult. The pilgrims used to find it very difficult. So she built a canal, an aqueduct system to get the water there. Develop a charity or any kind of organization, a madrasa, a masjid even. It doesn't have to be a charity, it could be a masjid. You have set up a masjid. I just, oh, we were in Norway just a few, uh, a month ago or something. And we met this old man who's been there for so many years, 40 years or something. And he says, next week I'm going to China. I said, why are you going to China for? He says, I'm going there to build a masjid. Because, alhamdulillah, he seems like he was quite a wealthy guy. Uh, and uh, he goes, I'm going there to build a masjid because I'm going to leave now. I, I'm, I'm finished. I'm, I'm going to be leaving the world now. So these are the things that are going to help me. So the thought process that Allah gave him the tawfiq to think about these things. He wants to go there. He wants to build a masjid. A masjid, subhanAllah, imagine the people that come into a masjid to study, to pray namaz, to pray salat. You get their reward for as long as that. And generally masjid do stay. If you build it in a proper place, in a decent community, you, that masjid is going to stay for hundreds of years. Yes, it may get renovated, it may get rebuilt, it may get extended, but subhanAllah, somebody sees that masjid and they get an idea, oh, I can do that masjid, they build another one. You get the reward of that as well. There's just a no-brainer. 
Sadaqatun jariyah. So always look for charity like that. That is a perpetual, continuous charity. Number two, I mean, we can go on in this discussion. You, we could probably spend the whole day trying to determine what kinds of perpetual charity is out there. But today, this is just to give idea you can think for yourself after this. Number two, the Prophet ﷺ said, oh, Any knowledge by which people will benefit. Any knowledge by which benefit will be derived by others. This is generally, it doesn't have to be ulama only. It could be any bit of knowledge. Of course, ulama have more knowledge to pass on. But you learn something from your Jumu'ah khutbah in the masjid, from a bayan in the masjid or online or whatever, and you tell your family. And suddenly, they benefit from it. For example, I give a bayan right now. And I've got, you know, however many people sitting in front of me, listening, right? And what happens is, just 10 of you, Take that knowledge and just tell your friends. Or tell your family, teach it to your children. I mean, at least that much, right? I get all that reward. Now, does it stop there? The person, you've just learned something new. Let's just say you've just learned. I mean, you knew about Sadaqah Jariyah, but maybe you didn't know it in this way, the emphasis of it. So now you went and told somebody else. And they now got that idea. So they went and told somebody else. And they did it. Now, how long will, for the rest of your life now, any other sadaqah jariyah that you will do, if it's based on the original realization through this lecture, then can you imagine the amounts of rewards we're talking about? And then you will encourage somebody else. They'll look at you and they'll get encouraged. So any bit of knowledge. Of course, ulama, mashallah, alimas, you know, people who have knowledge, who've studied, and then who go and preach it with a way of wisdom, not by turning people away. By a way of wisdom of how best to communicate that knowledge. In the field of da'wah, the most important thing aside from knowledge is to have wisdom of how to convey. I believe that wisdom is the conveyance of knowledge. You can have a bit of knowledge, sound knowledge, but a bit of it. Not know so many things, but you know enough to allow yourself to do things in the right way. Then it's all about communication. How can I get through to this person? How can I convince them? It could take years sometimes. You can't turn it around over, overnight. Some people will take effort after effort. It'll be patient persistence will pay off. You may get rebuked, you may get rejected. But at the end of the day, if that person comes on to guidance, if that person becomes guided, then the Prophet ﷺ explained it as saying, it is better for you than red camels, which were one of the best worldly assets. But he, only, he was only speaking about the worldly assets there. That he was just trying to tell them, from a worldly perspective, this is what you'll get. But otherwise, from the akhirah perspective, subhanallah, that is perpetual reward. You make somebody a Muslim, for as long as that person remains alive and does good deeds, and then anybody he inspires. Converts are the best converters generally, because they've been through it, and they have already a circle around them that they can help and assist. That's why so many people, you work on one convert, subhanAllah, other people benefit. And that's all your reward. You are gone. There's no accounting software to keep track of this. There's no accounting software. This is Allah will look after all of this. The third one that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned. Now the ilmun yuntafa'u bihi, it doesn't have to be just you conveying knowledge to somebody. Another way to do it is to marry it with the first one, the first category. You set up a madrasa. Now, you set up a school. You set up a Darul Uloom. 
you set up an institute. Now, setting an institute is not a joke. It's not easy to. So you contribute to one. You'll get according to your proportion. Somebody's setting up, you provide them support, you provide them assistance, whether that be monetary assistance, physical assistance, moral assistance, technical assistance, whatever it may be, you may help cook for them, with your intention that this is for knowledge to be benefited from. These people will study here and then they will benefit others. Huge amounts of rewards, so many things that you can do. So many things that you can do. Number three was, waladun salihun yad'ulahu, is a righteous child that you leave behind that will make dua for you. So it has to be a righteous child who has enough inclination in their heart to make dua for you. Subhanallah. Everybody's concerned about setting their children up. Right? Everybody. They will pay huge amounts of money. Recently I was uh, speaking to somebody. They had three children in boarding schools, 35,000 each. That is... 105,000 a year just one of those child is probably being his fees is more than what I may make right? but people are willing to do that they people are joining their night and day together husband and wife are working so that they can pay special tuition fees for their children to study they're suffering for 30 years 20 years 10 years whatever it is they will suffer they will undergo difficulties so that they can set their children up. Now if those children, mashallah, they may be set up, they may go to the highest universities, they may go to the most esteemed institutions, they may come out and they may land their first job with three, you know, uh, with a hundred thousand salary. But at the end of the day, alhamdulillah, that's great. You will be satisfied to see them. But if they don't care for you after you pass away, then what is the point? Why would our children make dua for us after we die? Why would our children come and visit our grave after we die? Why would our children make something for us? Isalu thawab, donating the reward, a perpetual charity for us after we die, if they've never been taught how to do it. Are we going to leave that up for chance? That maybe one day he will listen to a lecture, he will learn something, he will realize and he will do something for me. If we haven't done this for our own parents, for our own deceased and family members, why should they do anything for us? Where are they going to be teaching? Aren't we supposed to be teaching them? Or are you going to leave it to the, the madrasa teacher to teach them? I wouldn't risk that. Alhamdulillah, if the madrasa teaches them, wonderful. If they don't, my, I'm losing out if they don't. So I should be worried about this. That's why our holidays are coming up. And any holidays you can refer to. Why don't you do a project at home? For example, I mean one of the things that uh, is very easy, lots of people have done. Um, and I know one family who did this, is that uh, UWT, Ummah Welfare Trust, or any other organ that's uh, supporting an orphan. So what the, what, the, what, they, uh, what the mother did is that she asked all her children, how much would you like to contribute? You've got this orphan, this is the, the, this is the issue, they're living in Syria or whatever it is they're living, and they've got nobody left, and they're, 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 they are basically struggling. It only costs uh, two, three hundred pounds a year, or something like that, 300 pounds or something like that. How much would you like to contribute? Well, the children had a bit of saving. Okay, I'm willing to give 20, I'm willing to give 30, I'm willing to give 70, right? So they got everybody involved. Now every year you get a report about that child. So all the children, they read it. And you feel good about it, that you're actually supporting somebody. There's a name now and everything. This is just a simple project that you can do at home with your children. These are just simple ideas I'm talking about. The other thing is, 
uh, which which we've done alhamdulillah now family many other people have done as well and i've got to talk about this on uh, on zamzam academy which is to quran reading in your families so for example what we do is we've got a whatsapp group that we've made for this everybody in the beginning of the month they take their uh, their juz their supara and by the end of the month they're supposed to finish reading it right so whoever wants it's no obligation whoever wants and once they've done it they tick it off that we've done it. So you get this list, you know, every, every time on the seventh date of the, uh, day of the month, somebody says, okay, I finished my... Then by the, uh, by the end, we encourage, come on, finish it off. If you can't finish it off, please give it up. Somebody else will read it. No obligation whatsoever. And at the end of it, there's just a basic dua that the, the reward of all of this is for all of our deceased, of our family. Small acts. But inshallah, if this continues, somebody's going to make dua for us. Small, small deeds like this. We have to teach our families these things. Otherwise, why would they do anything for us? If we've not taught it, then why do we leave that up for chance? We're going to be disappearing from this world. We're going to have to go. Inshallah, if we set these things up, investments in all of these places, then you'll be laughing, inshallah, in your grave until the day of judgment. And then on the day of judgment, because you will see all of these rewards that you would not even recognize and they're just going to be multiplied. We were just reading the biography of Zubair ibn al-Awam He had a thousand slaves that he had dedicated to go and work and all they had to do is pay him a fee at the end of the day, pay him a, a, a certain amount at the end of the day. All that he wouldn't allow to enter his house, he would distribute it before he would go into his house. Every night, a thousand slaves, that's, that's what he would do. Many people have done this, where they're wealthy people, they've got lots of property, they've got lots of assets, they've got businesses. I've seen this in South Africa and in India. They would have dedicated a particular property, a particular estate, a particular business in fact. They would have started the business in the first place for the sake of this, all of this is going to go into charity. And then they, you know, they set the whole business up, they just manage it in general, they get the, you know, the, the salaries, they get sal the, the, the people who work there, the employees, they get their salaries, but whatever the profit is, it goes into charity. Or this house that I've got, or this particular property I've got, everything from there is going to go in charity, or it's going to go to this madrasa, this institute, or this particular, um, you know, uh, what do you call it, relief organization, whatever. It's just easy, it's just like... A simpler way of doing, a simple way for everybody that, you know, not everybody can set up businesses or dedicate whole rental homes, you know, for that kind of a thing. But everybody can say, okay, from my account, I'm going to allow £10, uh, you know, a certain amount, even £5, £2 maybe, standing order to a particular charity. So one is we give to charities to meet, uh, meet an immediate concern. But the other one that we think about is for long-term gain. So one is an immediate investment, you want to turn something around quickly. But the other one is a long-term investment. You set something up. As I said, you will not have the capability to set things up yourself, so contribute to somebody who is doing it. The options are multiple. There are so many ways of doing this. So let us think to ourselves today while we're speaking, like genuinely just think to yourself that if I am to die tomorrow, what have I set up? Forget how many deeds we've already done, that's another question. But if I am to die tomorrow, how will, inshallah, my legacy continue? Have I set up investments or not? Do I have a perpetual charity? Do I have knowledge which is out there that people will continue to benefit from? And number three, do I have children who will, inshallah, remember me? Because I've taught them in the right way. And I showed them how I remembered my parents and my family members, my ancestors. Will they do the same thing for me? See, when you think about it like that, 
then you can see how important it is. And the thing is that to maximize our chances, you should do a bit of everything. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, as they say, right? Although I don't think that any one of these, inshallah, I don't think any one of these will come to loss. They'll all be profitable, but why not give some perpetual charity, set up something, help set up something, also do some knowledge-based. And number three, also teach our children, which is our responsibility anyway. That is a very profound message. When I read this hadith, when this hadith came up, I think it was about two days ago, and I've been thinking about this and I said, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done that will give me this? Have I set things up? What else can I set up? This is a thought that must go through everybody's minds. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to maximize our chances. And remember at the end of the day, this is all going to be based on tawfiq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You may have an idea right now, you may have been inspired, you may have want to do something. By the time you get home, you just can't find a way. That's why make a sincere dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, Oh Allah, accept me for this kind of service. Because then He will facilitate for us. Otherwise, you hear many inspirational talks, you get many ideas, but unfortunately they come and go. And only the people who have tawfiq actually take those ideas and make them a reality. There are many of us who have great ideas, whether they be worldly ideas or ideas for the hereafter, whether they be about charity or something else, but not everybody puts them into action. There's a concept of laziness, procrastination, I will do it, I will do it. But unfortunately then, people are unable to do it because life, issues of life, other matters, they make you forget until the next time that somebody tells you something. But maybe somebody will not tell you something. Maybe you'll not be there. There's always people speaking about this, but it's about the fact that you were there at that time when that was being spoken about. It's all a matter of tawfiq. All of those factors coming together. Allah putting into the heart of somebody to speak about it. For you to be there to listen to it. And then after that, for you to want to do it. To be in the right frame of mind to actually absorb it and take it in and do it. So many, so many factors in here that makes it so confusing. But... It's not difficult on Allah and that's why we cannot do this by ourselves. You cannot do this by yourself. We can only do it by the tawfiq of Allah if He wants us to do it. So the way to do it is to ask Allah. He gives us then the himma, the resolve, the ideas and then the ability inshallah to make that effort to do it whatever that may be. And we want Allah, we want Allah to allow us to maximize our chances in this regard so that maybe, maybe, maybe we will get into those people who will be not questioned before they enter the paradise. And if not that, then at least inshallah, we will have a good status on that day, on the day of judgment inshallah, and be in the shade, be in the shade inshallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.